Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for streaming today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory is a nonprofit ministry featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Robert Jeffress. And right now, your generous gift will have twice the impact thanks to the Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge active right now through December 31st. To give a special year-end gift, go to ptv.org podcast and click the Donate button, or follow the link in our show notes. Now, here's today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. This is Robert Jeffress. In response to the horrific attack on Israel, I've written a brand new book called Are We Living in the End Times? Go to ptv.org to order your copy. For by Him, talking about Jesus, for by Him all things were created in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Most people would agree that Jesus was a wise teacher, a compassionate servant, and a powerful speaker. No doubt Jesus was great, but is Jesus enough? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress answers this question by showing how Jesus Christ is central to three important realms of this universe. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress. Thanks, David, and welcome back to a fresh new week of Bible teaching on Pathway to Victory. I hope you enjoyed a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend with family and friends. Well, I can't think of a better subject than the one we'll be addressing today and throughout the end of the year. As we head into the Christmas season, I've chosen to concentrate solely on the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. The title I've selected for this special holiday series is The Incomparable Christ. And today we'll start with a message from the book of Colossians. Few other books in the Bible describe Christ's glory any better than this one. Now, today is special for another reason. This is my very first occasion to tell you about the brand new 2024 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. I'm introducing this resource today so that you can receive it in plenty of time to give away at Christmas or to be ready to use the devotional yourself in the new year. And when you give a generous gift today, I'll make sure you receive your leather-bound copy. Plus, when you make a generous gift today, your gift is automatically matched and doubled because of the matching challenge that begins today. Any amount you give between now and December 31st will have twice the impact because of the matching challenge. Now, I've been looking forward to presenting this series to you for a long time. Nothing is more important than having a genuine encounter with the living God through His Son. I titled this first message, Jesus Christ, Creator, Originator, and Reconciler. Someone has said, Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy. He is the rock of geology. He is the lion and lamb of zoology. He is the healer of all diseases and the harmonizer of all discords. Great men in history have come and gone, but he lives on. Satan couldn't seduce him. Herod could not kill him. Death could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. Praise God for Jesus Christ. What a magnificent description of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, such a description pales in comparison to the description we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1 as we look at Jesus Christ, originator, 
creator, reconciler of all things. Colossians chapter 1. Now, in our series in Colossians, remember these first 14 verses of Colossians 1 are introductory. Paul expresses his excitement for what was happening in the Colossian church. He then prays that perfect prayer for the Colossians, that they would have a knowledge of God's will, that they would obey God's command, that they would experience God's power. And then when we come to verse 15, we are in the very heart of this letter. Now remember, uh, the Colossian Christians were being tempted to embrace other doctrines, other belief systems, not to discard Christianity, but to add to Christianity. They were being told that Jesus Christ is important, but you need something else or someone else. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Colossians as well as to all of us to say, no, Jesus Christ is sufficient. He has sufficiently saved you. He has sufficiently secured you. He has sufficiently empowered you to live a victorious life. You need nothing or no one other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you say, how do I know that, Pastor? How do I know that Jesus is sufficient for my salvation? Or maybe you're a Christian this morning. You say, I'm already a believer, but I'm going through a tremendous trial right now in my life. How do I know that Jesus Christ is sufficient to carry me through that trial? Well, Paul answers that question this morning by showing how Jesus Christ is central to three important realms of this universe. And when you understand the importance, the centrality of Jesus Christ in these areas, you'll understand why it is Jesus is sufficient for whatever need you're facing this morning. Look, first of all, at what Paul says in verse 15. He says, Jesus Christ is central in creation. If you ever doubt the sufficiency of Christ to take care of your needs, remember his role in creation. But you know, a lot of Christians are mistaken about this. They think the first time Jesus Christ ever began to exist was at Bethlehem. They think that was the beginning of Jesus Christ. No, he is eternally coexistent, co-eternal with God the Father. And that's what Paul is going to remind us here. He's going to remind us of the role that Jesus played in the creation, not only of the world, but of the universe. Notice the four truths about Christ and his relationship to creation. Paul says, first of all, Christ was pre-existent to the creation. He existed before the creation. Look at verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God And he is the firstborn of all creation. That word image is the word icon in Greek. We transliterate that in our language. We talk about icons. Now, an icon in the Greek understanding could have one of two meanings. Sometimes the word icon meant an inferior representation of the original. Let me illustrate that for you. I have a quarter here and... uh, On the quarter, there is an image, an icon of whom? George Washington. You know your coins well. Thank you, sir, for that. George Washington. Now, this is an icon. It is an image of George Washington. You know, George Washington actually looked a lot better than the image on this coin. Even with his wooden teeth, he looked better than this image. This icon, this representation is inferior to the real George Washington. Now, that's one meaning of icon, an inferior representation of the original. But sometimes the word icon means manifestation. 
Not representation, but manifestation. For example, let's suppose uh, Walter and I are in the hall one day and we're talking about Duran Bug, okay? We do that a lot, by the way. We talk a lot about Duran, but in a good way. He's a wonderful minister of music. And so we're sitting there talking about, man, wasn't the music great Sunday? Didn't Duran put his all into that? We're talking about the idea of Duran Bug when suddenly Duran appears. He is the icon. He is the manifestation of what we were talking about. His presence is much better than just the idea of Duran Bug. His physical presence is the manifestation of whom we were talking about. Now, that's the way Paul uses the word here. Jesus Christ is not an inferior representation of God. Instead, he is the manifestation of God. Do you realize no man has ever seen God? Because God is a spirit. You can't see a spirit. But in John 14, 9, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God the Spirit is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God the Father. Look at verse 16. For by him, talking about Jesus, for by him all things were created in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, whenever we think about creation, Genesis 1, we tend to think of which member of the Godhead doing the creating. We think of God the Father doing all the heavy lifting, don't we? He's the one we think of who created this world and this universe. That's not what Paul says. It wasn't God the Father, it was Jesus the Son who was the agent of creation. Jesus Christ is the one who created this vast universe. It came here by design, and it was the design and by the power of Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the creator of this vast universe. And notice he says here, not only does he create everything that's visible, he created everything that is invisible, thrones, dominions, uh, rulers, and authorities. That is a reference to the spirit realm. That's how we know Jesus Christ is sufficient. Not only that, thirdly, Christ is the heir of creation. Look at verse 16 again. All these things have been created through him and for him. You see, the moment you trust in Christ as your Savior, you become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything in this universe that exists for him suddenly becomes yours as well. He is the one who is the heir of all creation. And then number four, Jesus is the one who sustains the creation. Look at verse 17. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Now, you know from your American history that the majority of our founding fathers were evangelical Christians. You won't hear that from the secular realm, but the fact is they were mostly evangelical Christians. However, there were a few who weren't. And among those were Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. They were deists. Now, deists believed in God, sort of. But their belief about God was that God did not intervene in the affairs of men on earth. That God created this world, he kind of wound it up like a clock, and then he left it to run on its own. So God created the world, then he walked away, and the world is on its own. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches not only did God create this world, but He is the one who holds it and upholds it that keeps it from spinning into chaos. Let me demonstrate to you why that is so important. For example, the surface temperature of the sun is 12,000 degrees. If our earth were just a degree closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If it were just a fraction of a degree further from the sun, we would all freeze to death. Who is it that keeps the earth in its perfect orbit around the sun? How do things remain constant like this? The Bible said Jesus is the one who sustains this creation. You say, now Robert, that's all real interesting. But how does that relate to me? You don't understand the problems I'm facing. I'm glad this world exists. I'm glad Jesus created it, upholds it, is the heir of all of it. But how does that relate to me? I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to make my mortgage payment next month. I'm wondering if I'm going to be in that next round of layoffs at the company for which I work. I'm wondering what to do about this mate of mine who wants out of the marriage. I'm wondering how I'm going to handle this bad report about, from the doctor that I got about cancer and what I'm supposed to do. How does all of this about Jesus relate to me? Stay with me. We're going to see how Jesus is sufficient for every need you have. Look at this next part. It says that Jesus Christ is central in the church. Look at verse 18. Jesus is also the head of the body, the church. Now that word head sometimes means authority. And that's certainly true. Christ is the authority of the church. But it also can mean source or origin. The center of power. And that's how Paul is using it here. He's saying that Jesus Christ is the head, that is, He is the source of all of the energy in the body. Just as our human head gives direction to the rest of our body, but also provides the energy for our body, so it is with Jesus Christ. The energy that flows from the head, Jesus, flows into our life as well if we are connected to Him by faith. All of the power that belongs to Jesus is available to you right now. And one of the greatest manifestations of the power available to you is seen in the next phrase. He is the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Jesus Christ was the first person to be raised in a new resurrection body. A body that was free from sin, a body that would never grow sick again, a body that would never die again. In that sense, he was the firstborn, he was of the first of a new order of resurrection bodies. Firstborn is the word prototokos that we get our English word prototype from. Uh, I was watching this week a documentary about um, the new Boeing 787 Dreamliner, the most advanced jetliner that has ever been built. But you know what? Before they cranked up the assembly line, before they started producing all of these jetliners, about 10 a month, the first thing they had to do was to build a prototype, the first airplane. And once they got that first airplane built and all the kinks taken out of it, once they had that perfected, then every other plane on the assembly line was a replica, it matched that first prototype. Now listen, that's the word Paul uses here to refer to Jesus Christ and his body. Jesus is the first resurrection body on the assembly line. And every one of us who is connected to Jesus Christ by faith, guess what? We're going to receive one of those bodies as well. His was the first, but it certainly wasn't the last. 
As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. I have people ask me all the time about what our bodies in heaven and on earth are going to be like. All I say is, look at Jesus. Look at his resurrection body. His was the prototype for the body you're going to receive. In 1 John 3, 2, John says, Brethren, it has not appeared yet what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Think about Jesus' body. In many ways, it resembled his earthly body. He had distinct characteristics that made him recognizable immediately to his disciples. He even retained the nail prints in his hands. But it also had a supernatural aspect to it. I mean, is this cool or not? I mean, he could go through doors and walls and travel from place to place. And yes, he was able to eat as well. It was a natural body in one sense that it was recognizable, but it was a supernatural body. And the Bible says, if you're a believer in Christ, that's the kind of body you're going to receive as well. He is the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Now, here's the point. If Jesus Christ is sufficient to deliver you from the power of death, don't you think he is powerful enough to deliver you through whatever problem you're facing today? I mean, if he can take your body out of the grave one day and change it, transform it to that new body that will never die, if he is able to do that, can't he see you through that storm you're encountering right now? That's the point of all of this. Jesus Christ is sufficient. He is sufficient for your salvation. He is sufficient to carry you through the storm you're encountering right now. And that is seen in the central role he has in the church. Number three, Jesus Christ is central in salvation. Look at verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Remember the Gnostics said, oh, Jesus Christ couldn't be the Son of God if he were human because God can't inhabit humanity. The flesh is evil and that would make Jesus sinful. Therefore, Jesus was just a spirit. No, Paul said, it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness of God to dwell in Jesus. God poured all of himself in Jesus. And now look at verse 20. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. See, the decision for our relationship to God to be broken was not a mutual decision. It was a unilateral decision we have made. The Bible says in Isaiah, for all we like sheep have, have gone astray. We have turned every one unto our own way. God didn't break off his relationship with us. We are the ones who left the relationship. And because we have wandered away from God and chased after other things and other people, God would be completely justified in ending his relationship with us. He could have been easily justified in saying, you want to spend the rest of your life separated from me? Why not go ahead and spend the rest of eternity separated from me? That would have been a just decision. But the Bible says God loved you so much, he wasn't willing to allow that to happen. Even though you and I broke the relationship with God, God took the first step toward reconciliation with us. And that first step was to send Christ to die for us. The Bible says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He is the one who has initiated the reconciliation. In 1 Peter 3.18, Peter writes, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. God is the one who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. May I add this important word? There are some people who misinterpret this verse to say, well, everyone is automatically reconciled to God by Christ's death on the cross. After all, isn't that what the text says? That he has reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross? Everybody is automatically reconciled to God. Everyone is going to be saved. No, that's not what the passage is teaching. It has to be a mutual decision. And so it is in our relationship with God. Yes, God has taken the first step. He has paid the penalty for our sin by sending Christ to die for us. But God doesn't drag anyone back to himself kicking and screaming. The Bible says we have to agree that we want to be reconciled to God. We must individually trust in Christ as our Savior. The point of this passage is Jesus Christ is sufficient for every need that you have. And perhaps the greatest demonstration of his sufficiency is that Jesus did for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. He has made peace with God. He has been the atonement, the payment for our sins. Jesus Christ is sufficient. I remember years ago watching uh, the old Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And Johnny was on vacation, as he seemed to be all the time, and uh, they had a guest host that night, the comedian Joan Rivers. Remember Joan Rivers? And uh, she was the guest host that night, and she was interviewing the consummate interviewers of all time, Barbara Walters. And Joan asked Barbara this question, if you could interview anyone in history, whom would you interview? And without hesitating, Barbara Walters said, oh, I would want to interview Jesus Christ. And Joan said, really? He said, what would you ask him if you could ask him anything in the world? Barbara said, I'll have to think about that for a moment. And then she turned the tables on Joan and said, if you could interview Jesus, what would you ask him? And Joan Rivers, in a rare moment of seriousness, said, I would ask him if I was going to go to heaven when I died. I watched that and I thought, two Jewish women on national television And the central issue was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the central issue in this universe he has created. And what you do with him is the central issue in your life and in your eternity. Jesus will be the central issue in our teaching series for the remainder of the year. It's called The Incomparable Christ, and I'm so glad you chose to join us for this first message in this series. With this opening program, it's my first occasion to tell you about the brand new 2024 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. And these daily reflections are contained in a handsome leather-bound book exclusively provided by Pathway to Victory. You won't find this keepsake anywhere else other than right here. The devotional is my gift to you when you give a generous year-end gift today. And when you do, because of the new unprecedented matching challenge of $500,000, every dollar you give between now 
and December 31st will be automatically matched and therefore doubled in size. A group of generous friends has set aside this amount, hoping to inspire our listening family to give as well. During the last 12 months, we've experienced an exciting season of growth and impact because people like you have banded together with Pathway to Victory. Your efforts have spawned remarkable growth. And now this radio program is heard on more than 1,000 stations across the United States, not to mention around the world. And we're praying that God would use your gifts to open new doors of ministry in 2024 as well. David will repeat these details and give our contact information. Take a few moments right now to contact Pathway to Victory with your generous year-end gift. God will use your support to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support this ministry, we'll send you a copy of the all-new leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2024. To request your copy, give us a call, 866-999-2965, or you could visit our website, ptv.org. And when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, The Incomparable Christ, on CD and DVD. Plus, you'll receive Celebrate the Savior, Volume 2. That's a brand new music CD featuring the very best Christmas music performances by the incredible First Baptist Choir and Orchestra. Now, with Giving Tuesday coming up, we're asking you to prayerfully consider what you would give to support Pathway to Victory. And because of our Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge, any gift you give will be doubled in impact. So call us toll-free at 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You know, a lot of our listeners prefer to write, so here's our mailing address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Skeptics often argue that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. But if that's the case, why would the Jews have been outraged enough to crucify Him? Hear an eye-opening message called, The Day Jesus Came to Church. That's Tuesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. In response to the alarming war in the Middle East, Dr. Robert Jeffress has written a brand new book for you. It answers pressing questions like, are we living in the end times? In this time-sensitive book, Dr. Jeffress answers seven questions about the future, such as, what are the major events of the end times? Request a copy right now by going to ptv.org. It's called, Are We Living in the End Times? To receive your pre-release copy, go to ptv.org. You've made it to the end of today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. We're so glad you're here. Pathway to Victory relies on the generosity of loyal listeners like you to make this podcast possible. And right now, your special year-end gift will be matched and therefore doubled in impact thanks to the Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge. Take advantage of this opportunity to double your impact before the deadline on December 31st. To give toward the Matching Challenge, go to ptv.org podcast and click on the Donate button or follow the link in our show notes. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast from Pathway to Victory.